Greetings and welcome to the Antithesis of Superwoman. I'm your host, Recovering People Pleaser and ASW Empowerment Coach Von Fuller. And I am so excited that you are here with me as we progress on this journey, living our best lives without the cape. So y'all know last week we started our conversation about Encanto and we got so heavy into it that we lost track of the time. And so we decided to end it and continue on this week. And so this is a continuation of our Encanto episode. I am so excited about it, y'all. I really enjoyed this movie and what I feel it represents because it's so layered. All right, let's get into it. Before we dive into today's topic, as always, I want to address a few things with you, okay? One, I am not a licensed therapist. I am solely a person who's passionate about encouraging people to live their best lives. Two, I am a Christian, and while I will share personal experiences that are going to involve my beliefs, I'm not going to force my beliefs on you in this podcast. And three, I identify as a woman, hence the podcast name, and I'm surrounded by a lot of women, so a lot of my examples will be of women. However, men, please know, I know we got Superman out there as well. And if you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders, but feel like you can't express it because you have to maintain a strong and unshakable image, then you are in the right place. Sit back, relax, and listen, because this is a podcast for you. And if you enjoy hearing encouraging tips and tools to go from overwhelmed to overjoyed, then join the Encouragement Fam. Remember to click subscribe, like, rate five stars, and review. I appreciate all honest reviews of how much you love ASW. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so now that we've gotten all the logistics out the way, let's jump back into Encanto. Okay, we were really getting into it last episode, and it was a really, really good episode, I feel, because it really tried to dive into the layers of what the movie represented in terms of familial relationships, in terms of relationship with yourself and relationships to the community, right? So last week where we left off is going through the characters. And so we talked about Abuela Ama, we talked about Abuelo Pedro, we talked about Tio Bruno, Tia Peppa, we talked about Julieta, we also talked about Isabella, Luisa, and Mirabel. And so I think we really only have three characters left because we also talked about Pico and Augustine. And of course, I brought my husband back so we could have another wonderful in-depth conversation about Encanto. Welcome, hubby. Hey, cool cats and gilly poppers. <laughs> what? <laughs> you want to share with the people who you are, your name, all that good stuff? Boop. Husband, good stuff. All right. Before we get started, we have to say there needs to be a correction made. So in the last episode where we were talking about Encanto, we talked about Peppa's husband and we had him as Kiko. His Peace. name was actually Felix. 
Pico didn't sound right. At it all. didn't sound right, but, but that's we what it, it up. right. We looked it up so that we wouldn't mess up, and that's what it said when we looked it up. But they were wrong, and so Felix is actually his name, and so I want to make sure that we make that correction and apologize to anyone who may have been confused the last episode (laughs) or upset right so do you want to jump right into it so last we left off um we had discussed we left off discussing uh, mirabelle right yes i think we pretty much covered everybody we got abuela ama we got abuelo pedro we got Bruno, Peppa, Julieta, Isabella, Luisa, Mirabelle, and then we talked about the husbands, Felix. Yeah. And Augustine. Yeah. So Felix is Peppa's husband and he basically keeps her in a good mood the whole movie. Or right. tries to. And then um Augustine's uh Julieta's husband. And he's accident prone, but he's got a good heart. Mm-hmm. So next there is um, Dolores, who is a cousin, an older cousin. Yeah, so that is Peppa and Felix's oldest daughter, mm-hmm. her oldest child. Yeah, so her gift is she can hear a pin drop. So if you talk across town about needing, you need money to pay for your kid's college tuition, even though it wasn't in the movie. But you need something. She can hear you say your need and then have help facilitate you fulfilling it yeah so she can hear everything she's also a gossip yeah because she can hear everything she knows all the gossip so when mirabelle's trying to figure out what's going on with the house dolores is the one that tells her that louisa must know something that is up too because she heard her eye twitching all night mm-hmm. she's also the one when mirabelle found the premonition and put it together that overheard Mirabelle telling her dad about it and then proceeded to tell the family members at the table during the pre-engagement because dinner. Not, <laughs> not, only does she, not only is she good at hearing gossip, but she's terrible at keeping it to herself. Right. And she didn't have a lot of development. I think the thing that I saw with her was maybe that she was so busy, like, listening and listening out for others that she probably didn't listen to herself because one thing that she did say is that she was in love with the guy that proposes to Isabel. But she never stepped forward before he proposed or before they were betrothed to even talk to him. But she always knew that she liked him. She spent so much time listening to people that she really didn't spend a a lot of time talking to people Mm -hmm. she would talk about people about situations but she wasn't really connecting with people yeah she had this crush or love or whatever for this guy who as the premonition would have it was supposed to be married to somebody else and in light of keeping all things with the family good she wasn't going to be a wrinkle on that page so to speak and so she was just going to let it be and not be happy essentially Mm -hmm. so what's interesting with that is that every family has a gossip right and when everybody business who always know something about something very rarely do we see it as a gift and so i think it's really interesting that they made it a gift because there can be positives that come from that i think specifically with her because everything that she knew was true i think it's something to have somebody in the family that 
is willing to say the things that people aren't willing to say. So that's kind of what she did. And she did that for the whole town, for better or for worse. She would share the secrets. Mm-hmm. But then she also kept secrets. Because, did. for instance, she was the only one who knew before Mirabel found out that Tio Bruno was still in the house. And she didn't say anything. Did she know? Yeah, she knew. At the end of it, she said, I could always hear him in the walls. Oh, uh, yeah. So I guess earlier she just lied. Well, she didn't lie. She just didn't tell the... Well, she lied. She Not didn't lie. The truth is lying. She said she could only hear the rats in the walls. She never said she could hear him. She said, I always hear him sort of whispering and mumbling, and I associate him with the sounds of falling sand. But I thought she told her that the only things that she heard talking was like the rats in the walls or something like that. So, yeah, I think she mentions it in the song. She says she can always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. Yeah, so early on when she says, um, when Mirabelle's asking about the house and who's worried about the magic, and Dolores says, only people that's worried about the magic are you and the rats talking in the walls. So I took that to assume that he wasn't in the house or she was admitting that he was in the house because if he's in the walls, and they kind of show him as, like, being a little off, you know, because he's been in the wall so long. Like, I would assume that he would talk to the rats about the issue or talk to himself about the issue. So that's but, why I thought that she was either admitting that he was there or she didn't know he was there. Yeah, I feel like she's, she was saying that she knew he was there. She said it in the song, and then she said it at the end because... Remember, at the end of the day, they're still not talk, supposed to talk about Bruno. Yeah. And so why would she mention him when they're not supposed to mention him? Like, it's a, like almost like you get in trouble from Abuela if they know you mention him. Which is why in her part in the song when she was singing, she was saying it very low. Like, she was whispering it to her almost. Well, she whispers everything because everything she says is gossip, so to speak. So she's always whispering. Was she whispering when they were getting food? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. The only time she doesn't whisper is when she talks to the guy at the end, I think. Hmm. To me, what stood out to me the most in that song was her whispering her part because nobody else was. And so, and they had them close together like she was Mm -hmm. whispering. And that's also, ironically, the part where you see Tio Bruno on the back doing the bop. Getting his So that also leads to the fact that she hears him, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can see your point of view. and definitely would make sense either. I think it would make sense either way. Okay, so that's pretty much Dolores, unless you had something else to say about her. Well, I just find it interesting how they did her character because essentially she's a gossip, right? She hears everything, which can be beneficial, but can also for her be a curse as well because there are some things you don't want to hear and you can't necessarily turn it off yeah hers feels like the worst gift in my opinion but you know then she's able to still at some point not really have a voice Mm -hmm. and so it's really interesting how she has that dynamic because she doesn't really have a voice for herself as we talked about, she speaks in a low tone. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting because it seems very, can be misconstrued almost as like insecure, mm-hmm. which people would probably say a lot of gossips are. But um, yet yeah, and still she hears everything and pretty much knows everything, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting how that 
how they play that dynamic i thought that was really good i also thought it was good because it may help people who have that family gossip look at them a little bit differently because there can be good that comes from it in some instances you know yeah vanessa Lawrence. everybody has their role yeah and you got camilla who's a shapeshifter before you jump into him i do want to say another thing about her and so towards the end when she does meet up with the guy who was supposed to be getting married to Isabella but that didn't work out and she essentially states how she feels about him and how she likes all the stuff that he does for his mom and all that stuff right I do like at the end how even though he was supposed to get married to Isabella and then he just see honestly I, he's my least favorite character he just seems he like yeah he just seems like he's in love with the idea of being loved so he tells her you know let's get married and she like slow down buddy like yeah. I may like you but we ain't jumping a broom or you know running to the altar right now and so I really like that because it showed kind of old school versus new school to me because old school is get married continue the legacy right new school is "Mm, let me get to know you first let's see if this is really going to work out and so it showed that shift as well in the family because Isabella was going to do it old school she was just going to do what her family said and get married to him and they have you know a life together no questions asked where it seems like Dolores is like nah yeah and that also speaks to the shift in Disney because had this have been a 92 Disney movie they probably would have got married right oh absolutely I was actually reading an article about this movie and initially it was supposed to be about Mirabelle and her grandfather Hmm. they completely changed it after talking to people and probably realizing that the culture can be pretty matriarchal. So they were going to have the grandmother die? Yeah, I guess. I believe so. Mm-hmm. The relationship w- was supposed to be focused on her and the grandfather. And so they flipped it and made it with her and her grandmother. And so... Mm. That's interesting. Much better the way that they did it. I'm sure their Oscar win helped them feel good about those changes too. I wonder if they were just going to have both the grandparents be alive, but the grandfather has the issue with like what they went through but that's neither here they yeah i don't know they said something about he was supposed to be like some awkward grandpa or something like that because disney loved killing our family members to start a movie you know they go for that instant emotional pull (laughs) but yeah so i think it was really interesting how they did that and i do like that they showed that difference between the old school and the new school with the shift because that came after they had pretty much started working to heal the family okay we can move on so next would be camillo who is a shapeshifter and he's probably like what 15 16 maybe something like that yeah he's probably like but i would say between 14 and 16 he is the jokester he's a typical like annoying little brother yeah prototype right he like over exaggerates things like in his song about bruno he talks about how tio bruno's like seven feet tall and yeah tio bruno's like the shortest of the triplets (laughs) yeah like super short and i think cousin felix is like the shortest person in the house but he's not short but when he pretends to be tio felix well that's his father oh that's his dad yeah they all their kids 
Yeah, so uh, so when he pretends to be his pops, he makes himself like diminutive, yeah, like four he, feet tall. Yeah, he makes himself like super, super little. And the dad's like, I don't look like that. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, so he's like the typical annoying teenage brother. And that's he like shapeshift to his sister so that he can get seconds. You know, he can get some more food. What's interesting is. Now that you say that that's his dad, it makes sense because his dad can tell that that's not his daughter, that that's Camillo Mm -hmm. pretending to be Dolores. So that's interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't know because Bruno didn't have any kids. Yeah, touche. They had three. The sisters had three each. I wasn't thinking about like the family tree pass. Mm -hmm. I guess I just so interested in um, Mirabelle and Mirabelle fixing their family. I didn't think of everybody else's because his kids kind of don't get as big a storyline and because yeah and antonio is just he's the youngest he's probably what, like six or seven maybe yeah i think he's like five or six yeah so he gets his gift and he can talk to animals and he's really close to mirabelle out of all the people in the house he's probably the closest she's close with her parents like they have a good relationship but her and Antonio seem to have a special relationship. And, yeah, she was the one because he was really scared. So this is another thing about family dynamics, too, and the messaging that you give. And so there was so much fear because Maribel didn't get her gift, mm-hmm. you know, that he became scared. He was like, what if the same thing happens to me? Like, what's going to happen? What am I going to do, you know? But then he was also scared because... Because Maribel didn't have a gift, she was in the nursery room. That was her room. And so her and Antonio shared a room. Mm-hmm. Because you, I'm assuming, stayed in the nursery until you got your gift. Because she never, she never did. She mm-hmm. never left the nursery. Which is another message, right? And so you're never allowed to grow up in a sense where in other situations you're looked at as a more adult. Yeah, they're expecting you to grow up and join the family. Right. She was the one that encouraged him, like, look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to do good. Made him a present, you know, knew where he was when the whole family, because he was hiding, because he was scared. And so she knew where he was hiding because she knows him. She knows, you know, his likes, his dislikes, and, you know, just his most vulnerable things. And I think that is why it was so believable for the viewer when she was like, I would never do anything to ruin his day because you could tell before they had established that the relationship was real, that there was no jealousy, that there was only love. Mm -hmm. And what I love about their situation, it showed that vulnerable connection, which is what she ended up getting with all of the family members later. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, through trying to get to some more information and trying to get to the truth but she had that established connection where they could be vulnerable with each other and so I really like that they showed that too because it shows her being able to connect to kids but it also showed him being able to connect with the older cousin and that's something that they typically don't show in terms of an actual vulnerable communicative relationship between a kid and a teen they usually don't show that or a kid and an adult they usually don't show that the kid the five-year-old six-year-old can actually have those type of feelings and communicate those feelings Mm -hmm. and so i like that they did that 
What I also thought was interesting in the dynamic of the family is that Mirabelle is the main character, right? So you get more depth of her and her siblings. Mm-hmm. But what you don't really get is a whole lot of her parents. Mm-mm. But inversely, you get more of Peppa and Felix, but you don't really get their kids. Yeah. So it's interesting how they did that dynamic, right? Yeah. I think the main thing that they tried to show with her parents is that her parents always supported her, even though she didn't have a gift. Like, she had a good relationship with her mom. Um, she could come and talk to her mom about things when mm-hmm. stuff wasn't going right. And her dad was always trying to, like, prop her up and let her know that even though she doesn't have a gift, that doesn't make her any less than the rest of the family. She just has to find her place because that's what he had to do. Right. What I liked that they showed was even though the family wasn't perfect, the family still had connection. The marriages were healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still in loving relationships and in loving marriages. They can still celebrate. They can still enjoy one another. They can still have that, what we would probably consider that base level relationship where they can mess with each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then they had moments where, yeah, everything wasn't great, you know, but that didn't stop them from being a family and being with each other. And that's family at the end of the day. Right. Was that it? I think we talked about everybody. Yeah, that's that character. So then from there, I guess we'll talk about kind of like the climax to the end, maybe. Cause, okay. Because that's kind of what gets you to the catharsis moment. Um. So Mirabelle knows that something's wrong with the family. She talks to Louisa, who doesn't know anything about the magic, but felt something. She felt herself get weaker when the house was cracking during that time she felt herself get weaker yeah when mirabelle had that premonition slash warning from the house she actually felt weaker yeah so then does she go back to the grandma or how does she get to uh, bruno's room from there louisa has a conversation with her and says she remembers when she was younger that tio bruno had a premonition and then after that he left Mm-hmm. So like they sent after the after what happened with Mirabelle, Abuela asked him to have a premonition, and after that he never came back. She said the answer is probably still in his room. So that's when she goes. So that's room. when she goes up to his room. Yeah, so she goes to his room, and it is just like a big sand pit with lots it's not of a pit. It's like a sand castle. Yeah, like it goes up. Yeah, I guess because his premonitions can shift and how sand can be hard and it can be soft and it can shift. I guess that's why they made it sand. And sand also represents time. Sand does represent time. Look at you. (laughs) One of the things that we didn't mention about this is that their rooms are usually, when you open the door, they are huge. Because whatever their gift is, it makes room for them right Mm. and so they have to have enough room to experience their gift and so their rooms are humongous mirabelle not so much her room is a regular room in the house yeah the nursery like you said (laughs) it's tiny so their gifts all made room for them and they needed a lot of room for those gifts yeah like antonio's room is basically a jungle yeah pretty much and so Tio Bruno's room is this huge, it starts off where it's like this huge waterfall of sand, right? And then you get through that and you have to 
go across like a bridge that's not there anymore and then there's like a gazillion steps before you get to where he actually would have these premonitions so she goes to his room another thing i just thought about sorry he his, where he has his premonitions was behind a stone she had to roll the stone away to go into this cave to pick up the pieces of the premonition spiritually there's something there too for me because as a christian we know prior to the resurrection when he was crucified right and buried in the tomb they rolled a big stone over it and so when they moved it in three days he wasn't there we all know the story that in itself was a premonition isn't there a bible verse about your gift making room for you yeah it's where i got it from oh that was sticking in my head okay Mm -hmm. boom 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 yeah so i think there was a lot of spiritual context in that as well because he was he was the outcast he was shunned but he was shunned for speaking the truth i mean and then kind of he had the long Jesus hair too. Yeah. And now we know from reading an article with some of the behind the scenes work that went along with the movie is that he's supposed to represent other indigenous peoples in Colombia. So a lot of layers. She goes up, climbs all the stairs to his room, gets the premonition. She puts it together and she sees drum roll. <laughs> I didn't want to drum on the table because it'd be loud. I appreciate that. She sees herself. And dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> so she takes the tile and she takes it to her bedroom. She puts it together and when she looks at it, her dad comes in the room, right? Yeah, so what I want you to also include in there is that she's she put the tile together as she's putting the towel together, the house is shaking. Mm-hmm. And so the premonition itself has power in it too to kind of help. What's the word I'm looking for? Contribute to. Almost manifest. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm kind of looking for. Like kind of help start the process of manifestation, right? Mm-hmm. As she's putting it together, the house is starting to shake and there's cracks happening. She's in this cave. And so the cave is starting to come down on her. And so she loses the pieces. So she's trying to grab all the pieces and put them in a bag so she can get out. So she narrowly escapes and gets back. And then that's when she comes down and she runs into Abuela and then Luisa shows up. And they have a little running about her talking to Luisa earlier because that's when Luisa admits that she tried to lift some more stuff and it didn't go great. Yeah, that's when she couldn't lift the donkeys, which for her is super easy. It's demoralizing when it doesn't happen too. So by now, Abuela and Abuela was like, where you been at? Because mm-hmm. she saw a little sand and, you know, a bullet and slope. No. So she's now back into associating with, like, everything she does is just, like, Worse. messing things up. Yeah. So she pretty much just tells her, just don't do anything. Because we have this engagement dinner coming up and I don't want you messing up anything there. So just whatever you are doing, stop and don't do nothing. And she don't stop. <laughs> bad boy baby that's what i was just about to say (laughs) yeah she don't stop she keeps going and that's when 
her dad finds her in her room because she's trying to put it together. Her dad finds her in the room, and then Dolores, from across the, like, stairway, hears them talking about the premonition. Yeah, so she's gets caught by her dad. The Casita tries to help her hide it. That don't work. <laughs> so then she explains to her dad the situation, and her dad is like, okay, this is a lot. Let's pretend like none of this ever happened and we'll discuss it after the engagement dinner because I don't want anything happening during the dinner because Abuela will be mad at all of us, essentially. When Dolores makes the oops, I shouldn't have heard that face because she shouldn't have heard that. And then she shuffles to the engagement dinner where she's about to tell everybody. Yeah. So she's sitting at the table she's next to her is she sitting next to her dad her brother so she tells i think it was her brother i don't remember but anyway she tells either her brother or her dad and whoever she tells tells her brother or her dad and then the brother starts shape-shifting into bruno and other people right (laughs) i think it's the brother I yeah. think she tells her brother first, and then her brother tells And then he spits out his food. Yeah, so they're just having a terrible time. And then somebody's like, Louisa, go get the piano. Louisa starts crying because she knows she probably can't lift the piano. <laughs> and there's cracks. Yeah, cracks are starting to show up. So Mirabelle is literally laying on the floor trying to cover up the cracks. And trying to rush the dude into proposing. He wants to sing a song. She's like, we can do the song after the proposal. Right. (laughs) And he's like, but I love romance. And she's like, later, bro. Right. Within this time, there are rats. Yeah, the rats. (laughs) The rats come out who are trying to find the pieces. They can sense that the pieces are out or... I don't know, maybe Tio Bruno, whoever, whatever. They can sense the pieces are out. And so they're trying to get the pieces and bring the pieces back. Then you got the rats crawling under, trying to grab the pieces. She's trying to get the pieces from them. And then it ends up on top of the table somehow and slides across the table in front of Abuela, who then freaks. More cracks happen. It's a very scary situation if you are that dude who's in love with love and his mama. Yeah, so he still squeaks the proposal out. But then something happens, he get hit in the nose. Oh, was it the cracks? Maybe like a piece of the house or something. Something happens that they blame on Mirabelle. He gets hit in the nose. His uh, Isabel later says that his nose looks like a, a mango or a pie or something <laughs> like that. One of them exotic tropical fruits. Uh... So it's just a family situation where, and I think a lot of us have been in these situations where we have an engagement that's supposed to go well, but there is some type of family history or family drama or some type of family something that we're not supposed to discuss or not supposed to bring up but a few people to everybody know about that problem so we're all trying to ignore the problem and act normal when it would probably be best for us to just discuss the problem and get it out so what should have been the perfect engagement dinner ends up being a mess because there's no communication big old mess yeah everything gets ruined because now Peppa is stressed, so now the weather is also terrible. In the house. 
in the house and outside of the house it ends up just being a big old big old mess and of course mirabelle is the one to blame the interesting thing about this is the premonition this is the first time anyone is seeing it yeah so this is the first time that abuela sees it it's a like almost a confirmation because we know for sure that what she saw was the broken house right of course yeah and so it's a confirmation in her mind of what she thought and so she's even more upset at Mirabelle at this point her sister Isabella is mad at her because she feels like she ruined the evening not a great look because this is the second big event that she's technically tried to mess up yeah and i'm sure for isabel for somebody that is supposed to be perfect when somebody else ruins something that you've tried to make perfect like she literally was going to sacrifice her freedom as a person to be married to this guy just to make sure the event went perfect and then mirabelle still ruins it quote unquote so i'm sure for her that was probably a lot to her psyche and their already you know rot relationship right so this is when we get into the fun part because Mirabelle follows the rats and the rats go into the wall behind a painting and so she follows them and then because the house is old and broken up she about to fall oh no wait first she sees him she sees Tio Bruno in like the shadows yeah so she tries to, so chase, she tries him. to chase him and then he knows obviously the wall is way better than her and so he can avoid a lot of the holes and falls and all that stuff. And she doesn't. Yeah, he did like some parkour to get over the hole. He was like, ping, ping, ping. Right. Parkour. <laughs> he did not say parkour, <laughs> but she yes. was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, she was about to fall and, and lose her life. Or so she thought he reaches out a hand to help her. But then he's like, man, your hands are sweaty. And then. He immediately <laughs> lets go or loses grip. No, he loses grip. So then he falls and she catches him. Not for long. And then a rat comes out of his uh, shirt and she screams and lets him go. <laughs> so she just killed T.O. Bruno. And but, now we'll never talk about Bruno. <laughs> but then as he's let go, he realizes that it's probably only about a couple feet. Yeah, at the most. Right. So he just stands up and is like, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's been jumping over that hole for years thinking it was gonna kill him and it's least... a foot drop now he got strong legs though mm-hmm. but yeah so that starts the relationship between her and Tio Bruno because she didn't have a relationship with him before that she remembers mm-hmm. he tries to avoid her but you know she ain't going for that mm-hmm. so she just follows him and continues to talk to him until he uh, pays her some attention. So this is where we see where he lives. You know, what we talked about in the last episode. You know, his little table that he's drawn a plate on for himself. And, you know, how he's kind of normalized living in this dysfunction. Yeah. And that's something that his was an extreme visual. But essentially, it's a representation of how the whole family has normalized living in dysfunction and unhealthy behavior for the sake of wearing a cape and being of service to the family and the community. Yeah. And so one of the things that she promises him, well, they they talk, they do the premonition. She sees something in a premonition that he didn't see before. And the interesting thing about this premonition is that it looks like she has to connect with her sister, Isabella. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So she goes and does it. Oh, but also, it's not like a easy thing. He does not want to do the premonition at all. No. He is like, he I do felt like it. he was retired. Yeah, nobody, when I do stuff, nobody likes what I do. It's always bad. So that's why I don't do it. So no, I'm not doing it. And she's like, but you gotta do it. Yeah, and he's like, you know, essentially this is when he's able to be vulnerable with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Have somebody listen to him. Her gift is listening. She listens to people's hearts. He said, you know, it's not like I want to be given premonitions that are bad. Like, that's not what I want to do. I just, I can't control that, you mm-hmm. know? I just share what I see, but everybody blames me for it, you know? And so I felt so bad for Tio Bruno. But yeah, so he was really being vulnerable because a lot of what we do is make people their gift. You know, we talked about this in the last episode too. And so we do that a lot with celebrities. We make Mm -hmm. them their gift, you know, and then when they do something that is less than gift worthy. Drop them like a bad habit. All heck breaks loose and they're a lot of times almost villainized, you know, when in reality, you're just people. Yeah. You know, and if you can give grace to other people, you should be able to give grace to them too. And so, and a lot of times we do that with family too, right? We give grace to strangers before we give grace to our family members. Yeah. And we, anybody that's any type of successful, usually they don't get grace because their success is like a stand in for being perfect. Right. Success or achievement, those people usually never get to be human because if you've achieved the top if you've achieved the monetary level or the success level that we're all trying to reach that we're struggling to reach every day then how can you have problems you got what we want but in essence i'm sure after they've gotten to that top level they want some of what we got too because they can't be human and they can't let their hair down they can't relax like they gotta stay on top of it or they lose what they've achieved So their achievement becomes what should be a castle becomes a prison. And this is exactly what the family was going through, right? Mm. Because all of their gifts can be seen as achievements. Mm. A layer of success that none of the other community members were ever going to be able to get to have. Even if you married into the family, you were still never going to have the gift. Yeah, because you were in blood. Right. You can have a child who has a gift, but it's still not going to you. Mm. That's something that I think it just covered so much, you know, that it really just was a very thorough, in-depth movie. And so he's able to have this vulnerable moment, bringing it back to T.L. Bruno. What's interesting about this premonition or the, I guess, continuation of this premonition is that it shows that she needs to be connected with her sister Isabella, or so we think. So she goes... Oh, no, because I was about to get into the so we think part. Should I hold that? Yeah, hold it till we get there. But it's interesting. Let me just say this. It's interesting because I was like, something don't look right. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) So she goes to Isabella's room. Isabella comes down on a seat of flowers like the perfect woman she is. And Mirabelle really don't want to be in there like she don't really mess with her sister like that her sister stuck up she thinks she perfect yeah you missed the part about what she said when the premonition came and they thought it was isabella that she had to hug her sister lay it down what she said she was like isabella (laughs) she was upset very spanish soap opera and then tia bruno was like see 
told you that he threw the premonition. He's like, it always happens, man. Always. <laughs> yeah, so she goes to Isabella and she ain't really trying to. She's like, so, hey, is there something that you want to tell me that you've been holding back? Because I'm sorry. Isabella's like, why are you in here? That's not how she did it, babe. She didn't want to say I'm sorry. Touche. She, the... Isabella said you should apologize, and then she was like, "I'm sorry that your life is so perfect, (laughs) and then just one thing messed up." Like she was not really trying to say, "I'm sorry." One of them. I've been holding this in for a minute. You gotta catch all of this. And what was interesting about it is that Tio Bruno was trying to help her, encourage her to talk to her sister, and remind her that she had her focus on Isabella. But really, the focus should be on her because she was the answer, mm-hmm. right? And so she needed to be focused on her and not what Isabella does or does not do. And another thing I think we forgot to mention is that that's when she told Tio Bruno that she was going to make sure that she brought him back home inside the home to yeah, the family. because he thought he would never be back in the house. Right, because he was just like, all right, peace, come visit me. <laughs> and she was like, no, I'm bringing you back to the family. Yeah, so she is, her and Isabella are going at it, basically, because she feels like Isabella's life is perfect, and this is the moment where Isabella gets to bear her truth and say that my perfection is actually a prison for me. Like, I don't I don't get to be myself. All I get to do is put on for the city and put on for my family. And in her anger, where she usually makes beautiful flowers, she ends up making a cactus. Yeah, and let's also not forget that she was pretty much beating her sister up with flowers. Oh, yeah, she was smacking around with the flowers. Yeah, she was definitely getting knocked in the head quite a few times with flowers as she was arguing her point to her sister. Yeah, so once the cactus comes up, she looks at it and she's like, whoa, I never made one of those before. It's not a flower, but it's... It's not the pretty flower, but it's still beautiful to me. And then song time. (laughs) Yes. But what's interesting about that is Mirabelle did not listen to her uncle, even though she was, he was telling her, focus on you. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on your feelings about your sister. She wasn't able to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so her focus through this whole thing was just trying to get a hug because she thought the hug is what was going to fix everything. And so she was like, oh, wow, you made that cactus. Great for you. Bring it in. (laughs) Wouldn't you like a hug? Right. Let's get this hug going. So she really didn't care about nothing that her sister just said. Her sister just had this like revelation she's expressing her vulnerability and she really wasn't open enough to connect with that right away yeah it took some time and yeah, it so, took a whole song basically like halfway through the song right and so she was really just trying to get this hug so she could move on and then she realized later like you said halfway through the song that it was her sister actually finding herself and that her sister actually wasn't that bad once her sister was able to be who she really was and not in this perfect pretty mold because she had no idea that she didn't want to be perfect yeah who wouldn't on the out from the outside looking in who wouldn't want to be perfect but you know it's not fun 
something you got to keep that up all the time right and perfectionism there's a lot of people who don't like perfectionists because they associate perfectionism with being stuck up or arrogant a lot of times that's not the truth really it's this person who feels caged you know Mm -hmm. and feels like for whatever reason whether it's family expectations or whatever the case may be that they have to fit this mold it's usually not Oh, there's some arrogant folks now. I ain't saying, mm-hmm. you know, that. But for the most part, perfectionism is really birthed out of insecurity of not feeling like you are enough as yourself. And so you have to be this perfect person so that you can be accepted into whatever or whoever you're trying to be accepted by. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of soul food. Remember um, Vanessa Williams' character? She was the oldest sister. She had all the money. So, like, people assume that she was stuck up. But she's like, no, y'all calling me for everything. Every time y'all are messed up, you calling me to fix your mess. When you need money, I'm the one that pays. When Big Mama needs something, I'm the one that's paying for her. She wasn't stuck up as much as she was almost, like, tapped out because nobody wanted to see her as a person. Yeah, she wasn't being a part of the family. Like she said, she felt like the ATM automatically tarries money. So it wasn't about <laughs> So it wasn't about her as a person. She was like nobody calls me and says how are you? Like she's just expected to be strong, to deal with it because she has a strong demeanor that she's not expected to hurt or not expected to process or have feelings she's just supposed to dish out money and keep it moving yeah i felt for her as a kid watching that movie she did come across as crass yeah but that's her hurt right as an adult watching that movie i understand how much pain she was in and how she felt like nobody cared including her husband she doing all of that and her raggedy husband out there messing with who i mean and the thing about when it is she was his lover and her secretary working every day all right i'm done that's not the same movie it ain't <laughs> that's waiting to exhale baby you sure pretty sure that was about angela bassett oh well the suit still fit <laughs> you right you know how much i love that song <laughs> oh god! Let the record show I was wrong, but yeah, but yeah. So that was that was just hurt. And what I was gonna say before we jump back is that she was still hurt from her sister taking her boyfriend because mm. her sister took her boyfriend, and then they got married and had kids. Mm. And so that's still her and trauma from that. And they just like, and get over it. she got to see it. that every day. Right. She got to see that all the time. They just happy-go-lucky in their relationship. Yeah. Cause I, and there wasn't an apology. There wasn't anything like that. It was just like, well, he like me. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was real terrible is what it was. Yeah, that was a one-up on her because she may be successful, but she can't keep a man. Right. Hurt people express hurt and often hurt times hurt people hurt people who are expected to be strong express their hurt in stronger ways usually negative ways yeah yeah, and it usually comes across as negative there's so many different ways that people express hurt and 
we have to be able to recognize them. Okay, back to Encanto. Yeah, Bruno, Tiles, Fix. Not Fix. We gotta fix the family. Isabella sings a song, and she gets, while she's singing her song, like, she is just getting hit with all the flower colors. So she's usually walking around in, like, kind of, like, all white, right? It's like a magenta that she wears. Okay, so her normal outfit that is usually, like, monochromatic, when they're done, like, they are both just covered in. Yeah, she's made all these different flowers. Some of them are, like, nivorous and... You know, just all the flowers that people don't consider pretty. Mm-hmm. And so she's making all these flowers. She's having a time of her life. They dancing on the roof and swinging all Getting over the in. place. And then here come Abuela. She like, what y'all doing? Making a mess is what y'all doing. And this is all Mirabel's fault. You are a bad example for the family. And Mirabel like, wait, dog, hold up. I just got her to admit she's not happy being perfect. Look, she done made all these beautiful things that she ain't never known she could make before. If we just give her a chance to express herself the way she want to express herself, we can make, she can make even more beauty. And Umbrella's like, this ain't beauty. This a mess that y'all done made in my house. Pretty grandma. And this is when it all goes. Down. Yeah, because Abuela's pretty much like, I'm tired of you messing up everything. Now you're negatively influencing Isabella. The now, perfect one. Isabella is the one that, you know, was supposed to marry and you messed that up too. And she's like, she didn't, uh, Mirabelle's like, she didn't even want to get married to him. And she's like, whatever, <laughs> you messed that up. Like, that's why she's not getting married now because you messed it up. And, mm-hmm. you know, Isabella through all of this is starting to shrink like noticeably shrinking into the background right she's kind of it seems like she's almost trying to run away from the happiness she just found right because obviously the happiness is not approved of you know it's not accepted it's not considered beautiful And Mm -hmm. so she's trying to essentially go back into her shell. Finally, Mirabelle is like, you know, you, I'll never be good enough for you. Like, there's nothing I'll do that I'll ever be good enough for you. And none of us will ever be good enough for you. And at this point, she's not talking about their gifts. She's talking about them as people, Mm -hmm. you know. Her parents are like, you've always been rough on Mirabelle. And Abuela don't listen to them. She don't care. And good job on the parents, because usually in these movies and in these situations like even though the parents are parents they still are kids to the grandparents so they ain't right. trying to they don't want that beef neither you know so good job for the parents for sticking up to her right even though it didn't matter it didn't matter it didn't change Mm-mm. she's like y'all all stupid she and didn't say so, that but that's what she was saying pretty much and so they keep going back and forth and then finally Mirabelle is like you know what the problem isn't me. I'm not breaking up this family. The problem is you. And then the house collapses. And the and it's not just the house. And this is, I like what they did too. It's what, while they're arguing, there's more cracks happening. But there's also the, in the community, the roads are shaking and breaking up. There's mm-hmm. other things happening. And so when the house finally like, snaps and where it's like okay this just is not a safe structural environment anymore mm-hmm. that crack goes all down the road of the community yeah so that shows when the head isn't together 
that thing is gonna travel all the way down and ain't nothing gonna be right yeah and if y'all got if you are in a relationship whether it's familial or romantic if you're in a relationship and that relationship isn't a healthy one and that relationship is falling apart you're gonna carry those issues out into the world and those issues affect the world you better preach so even though this was what was essentially a family splat like those that spat has has ripples in the community and you know that's exactly what happened they weren't the only person that paid for the fact that they don't want to communicate right what starts to happen is the house is breaking and so the house the casita in its last attempt to keep everybody safe is trying to get everybody out so the floors are rolling because they're trying to get people out mm-hmm. mirabel sees a candle and the candle is flickering on its last leg that's one thing we missed mm. we saw and mirabel pointed out that the candle burned brighter when her and isabella were doing what they were doing mm-hmm but now with the situation with her and Abuela, the candle was on his last like little flicker. And so Mirabelle's like, I need to get the candle. And, and she's so the she's only like, one thinking about the candle. Everybody else is just like, well, let's just get out of here. Right, because she's committed to herself that she is going to save the magic. She's mm-hmm. going to save the Encanto. She's like, Casita, help me up. Casita, help her. She grabs the candle. And then pretty much the casita falls apart, can't do it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so with this last little bit, which is another reason why I feel like it was a abuelo, it used the doors and a chair and everything it could to protect her because the structure was coming down. Yeah, it was done. And so everybody else got out safe. She was able to be safe from, you know, any real structural, or any real physical damage because of what the casita i just call it casita abuelo did and she leaves yeah so nobody can find her the family's looking for her Her parents are looking for nobody knows where she is the whole town's essentially looking for her and there's still people blaming her for the house so like what happens when the house falls apart which is interesting well i guess the candle went all the way out Mm -hmm. okay yeah so that was it so the candle, when because she, she had the candle in her hand when she was covered by the doors and stuff, but when the house fell, candle burnt out. Mm-hmm. When she saw that, that's what made her leave. Through this process, everybody is losing their gifts because there was other people that were trying to get the candle but they didn't have their gifts to use anymore camilo was one of the people that was blaming mirabel for the house being torn down i mean just for the way things were she left she just kept walking and she ended up in the place where it all started she ended up at the river Mm -hmm. and the river is where the raiders met up with the refugees and her abuelo sacrificed his life she didn't know that yeah they had no concept of what happened before the house they know the story but they didn't know like they didn't know geography like this is where they didn't visit you know didn't they know the story did she tell them exactly what happened because i feel like she probably wasn't trying to share that trauma with them she tells them the story of the fact that he died and that's how they got the gift Mm-hmm. But in terms of where it was at and stuff, I don't think she shared that. Abuela came and found her, and she said, "This is what was an interesting dynamic, I believe, between 
old school, new school, fear and trauma and truth and healing. Mm-hmm. So Abuela came and she said, you know, I haven't been here in so long. This is where we got our gift. Mirabel says, so this is where Abuelo died. So those are two very different approaches about the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so from her trauma, from her pain, from her hurt, she's avoiding the, the catalyst. Yeah. yeah, she's avoiding the catalyst of what led to the magic. So instead, she's just trying to focus on the magic and the good, where Mirabel is like, let's deal with the real. This is where Abuelo Pedro died. Like, mm. that's major. That's when we learn more of their story, of their love story and what brought them together. Mm-hmm. This is when we learn that they were basically young and in love and they were living in a town and she, he comes home one day after they've been courting. They're now in love and she shows him like a cutout of a baby and he's like hey and then she opens it and that's a cutout of three babies and he does like a fake faint but you know they're happy they're in love and then the next thing we know the raiders are coming and they're destroying the town and running everybody out and they've already had the babies so they got these newborns and you know they could look out their window and see places getting lit up on fire they literally burned so they make the decision to leave. They leave the three little um, bassinets that they that he probably made for them, you know. And so they leave their home and what they know, and they move to a better life with the other people who are trying to escape and survive. Yeah, so they're on the run, and, you know, he makes the sacrifice. The sacrifice that literally nobody else was willing to make. Like, he's the only person that stops out of the whole town. Yeah. No other men or women stop to try to mess with the, uh, whatever you want to call them, rebels or whatever. So he makes a sacrifice, and then as we already know, the candle kind of instantly becomes imbued with magic. Yeah, so his sacrifice was honored. Yeah, and this is kind of when it all comes together, because what we thought was Isabella is actually her grandmother when she was young and the reason why you see her when she is young in my opinion is because this is the birth of her trauma this is the sore that needs to be healed so even though she's aged in years she's never gotten past this moment in her life so this is the moment where she needs to be healed. Yeah, they say you're stuck at the age of your trauma. Mm-hmm. And so I just had a revelation just now, though. Lay it down. Lay it down. So what was interesting that I just realized, right? So the river was important, right? Mm-hmm. The water. When you said he was the only one in the whole town that sacrificed, right? Mm-hmm. So he gave up his life so that the others may live, right? Mm-hmm. And so when he gave up his life, automatically that power, that that honor of his sacrifice went into that candle mm-hmm. to help create the barrier, to help create the community, to help them live. Mm-hmm. That's a super spiritual reference. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I'm expecting you to explain it. But are you seeing what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I see it. Okay. So Jesus died <laughs> on the cross, sacrificing his life for us so that we may live and have life life and life more abundantly right Mm -hmm. and so when he did that we were saved 
It was automatic, right? Mm -hmm. He was the sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for that. And so I just made that parallel. So that's really interesting how they did that because they often do and have admitted to using biblical stories in a lot of their movies. Um, So it's just really interesting because I never put that together until right this moment. But yeah, he was the sacrifice that then could save the rest of these people everybody and so crazy what's also crazy is that culturally in the spanish communities they a lot of their spirituality uses candles Mm, yeah so the way the truth and the lights yeah so um abuela basically admits like she actually talks about her trauma and about how she hasn't healed from it Well, what happens is she tells the story. We only see it through song. Yeah, but we know she's telling the story. But yeah, she tells the story and then she's like, I'm sorry because I realized that I was so scared to lose the gift that I forgot who the gift was for. Mm-hmm. And the gift was for you. The gift was for the family. The gift was for the people. It, the gift isn't for others who have the gift. You yeah. know, the gift is for those who don't. It's for a sense of protection. Probably remembering who her husband was and what he stood for, and, right? And the, and the gift is also for you to live a safe, protected, but happy and fulfilled life. They were so busy worried about the safety and protection that they per- forgot that a big part of life is about love and joy. Yeah. Right. So she missed all of that. Even though she knew she was she knew she loved her family and even though she tried to support her family, even though if you asked her she would hundred percent say, I love all my family and, you know, I show them love. She was disallowing them from having full love because she wasn't allowing them to live a full life. Right, because she felt like she couldn't live a full life. Like that had been taken from her, right? And so she apologized to Mirabelle and she said, you know, essentially you were right. I did fail the family and this is all because of me. It's true. It was very true, but also not many grandmas are going to say that, okay? Let's just... I mean, older people in general, once you get to this. Right. And so it was very beautiful. But if y'all expecting this at home, just, you know. Yeah. And she sees the butterfly. And then she sees the butterfly. And this is when it clicked for me, because like I said earlier, when I saw the premonition, it was supposed to be her sister, Isabella. It didn't quite look like her. Mm -hmm. Like there was something a little bit off. It was like they showed the hug. And the hug wasn't, the hug didn't look like Isabella. Mm. But then after they showed the hug and she flipped her hair, then that was Isabella. And so I was like, huh, okay. Like, I couldn't really figure that out. I just assumed that, you know, I'm just thinking, I was thinking logically, like maybe Disney just messed that up or something like that, you know, because they always do like little, did you know that this was actually a da 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 yeah, so I just kind of brushed it off as that. But then later, I realized the butterfly was associated with Abuela. And so she saw, and Mirabel realized that when they're talking and they're at the river talking, she sees the butterfly. And she's like, okay, 
Abuela come here? She's like, first of all, you did not fail the family because you're the only reason why we're still living, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you're the reason why we made it this far and we've been able to do everything that we've done. It's not perfect, but that doesn't mean that we can't fix what's broken. But you didn't fail us. You helped us get to where we are and help us to be who we are. We just need to continue to work on that. And so the nay embrace, and when they embrace, you know, all the butterflies surround them, and it's a beautiful healing moment. They're doing it in the water, in the river, you know, which symbolizes typically healing and a cleansing. Right. Healing, cleansing, rebirth, all the good things, you know. And so it was a very beautiful moment. And then Tia Bruno busts through the bushes like, hey. Favorite character bust through on a horse. Evidently hasn't run a hasn't ridden a horse in a very long time, and he's like, "It wasn't her fault. It was me. And if you have to blame anybody, blame me." And then he's you know doing his chivalrous. He ready to go to war. He right his chivalrous, lovely uncle thing, and his mom who hasn't seen him in probably like a decade. You know, is just like she hugs him. And he's like, I feel like I missed something important here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tio Bruno was funny, and he did. But yeah, he was good. Everybody was good. Yeah, everybody was good. He was just my favorite. In that, it was bringing the people together. And the reason why she saw her grandma, her abuela, in a premonition was because that was going to be the key to healing. But the reason why she saw Isabella later was because she had to go through Isabella to get to abuela. Because they had to have that meeting of the minds. I liked it. I think it stood for so much. There were so many people that wore the cape in that movie. Mm. And I think that with this relationship of just learning about themselves more, because I think a lot of people had so much pent up inside that they didn't really know themselves until they started the process of releasing that information and speaking it out loud. Mm -hmm. And like we said before, once it goes out, it doesn't go back. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was only building from there. There was a lot of healing and a lot of growth and a lot of self-awareness of who they were outside of their gifts once they started talking and being vulnerable with Mirabelle. And so I think that that was truly a symbol for being able to put the cape down, step outside of what your achievements are and what you're capable of doing and look more at just who you are as a person because you're not your achievements. You're not the cape that you wear and another thing about the ending after they have their resolve the the families who still doesn't have their powers start to rebuild the house and they think that they're going to be at it alone but what they don't realize is that the community is still very thankful for everything that they've done to them up done for them up until this point so the community comes and helps them rebuild the house and they let them know that even if you guys don't have the gifts anymore, we're still more than grateful for what you've done for us mm-hmm. and the people that you've been to us. And I think sometimes when you act, when you're a person that does a lot of service for others, maybe you can feel like if you stop or if you take a break from that service, that it'll all be forgotten because we live in a very, what have you done for me lately? 
microwave society. So sometimes it's hard to stop taking care of people because you don't want them to forget everything that you've done or forget you, you know? But the movie shows that if you're a person that does that service, like it comes back. People will come and help you when you need help. And I thought that that was very important. Yeah, I thought that that was very important too. I also think it's important to mention that Mirabelle is the one that told them that they could build the house. Mm -hmm. So even with all of that, Mirabelle was like, we can do this together. Like we don't have to have powers, you know, to be able to build this house. We can build this house on our own. And so they all work together to build the house. Another thing I thought was interesting was the apologies and acceptance. Not only did Abuela apologize to Mirabel, but she came back and apologized to the whole family. Yeah. And she apologized to the whole family. They embraced her. And then Tio Bruno popped up. You know, he apologized and they really weren't interested in his apology. They were just so happy to see him, Yeah, especially his siblings, that Mm -hmm. they just wanted to be around him again. I really love that fact because a lot of times we feel like you have to, if you step away or if you do something or if you're the black sheet or whatever the situation may be, you feel like you may have to come with your tail in between your legs. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, your family is your family, and they love you, and they want you around. And so this whole time he was thinking he was this curse to the family, and maybe they were thinking at some point too, right? But at the end of the day, their love for their sibling or their uncle or whoever is more important than whatever gift he may have. Yeah, I think it's also important that even though they didn't have the magic when they were building their house, even though they weren't perfect in it, like, Louisa was still strong. She just wasn't as strong as she was. Isabella could still make things beautiful. She still knew how to decorate. She just couldn't make the flowers herself anymore. Mm-hmm. The mom was still cooking for people, you know. She still was healing through food. It just wasn't at the extreme level of, I can heal your broken hand with my biscuit. Right. You don't have to be perfect in what you do. Your best is good enough. Right. And with the right heart, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because when they were doing those things without the gifts, they seemed to be at their happiest. They seemed to be at their most whole and joyful. And so it wasn't a burden to do it without the gifts. They were enjoying working together because it it forced them to work together and do things together mm-hmm. and get to know one another. They even, the sisters, uh, Mirabella, Isabella, and Louisa, you know, Louisa said, I cry sometimes. And the other two sisters were like, we do too. So it's like they get a chance to actually learn more about each other. They actually had a really good time building the house because they were doing it together as a family. Mm-hmm. And so once the house was finished, the only thing left was the doorknob. They looked at the house, and the house was a little wonky. You know, one perfect. Was not. And Abuela called that out because <laughs> that's who Abuela, she is. Yeah. <laughs> and Mirabel was like, yeah, but we're not perfect either. You know? And she was like, you're right. Touche. So she handed her the doorknob. She said, there's one last thing. You got to have a doorknob for the door. And so they made a doorknob for her. And it had her initials, and they were thankful for everything that she did because they recognized that she's the one that actually brought the family together, right? And so she puts the doorknob in the door, in the front door, 
And lo and behold, Casita got some Encanto. The Casita, not only did the Casita have some Encanto, but this was the first time that she touched the door because she was nervous to do it again, right? Mm -hmm. But this was the first time she touched the door and the house, the door turned gold and her face was at the front of the door with the rest of the family behind her. Her gift was too big for a room. And that's when I was like, mind blown. Yeah, probably some tears too. Oh, you know, I was crying throughout the movie. But it was just a blessing to me because sometimes people think or we think as people because our gift doesn't look like somebody else's. That is no gift at all, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people will try to put that on you as well. And so she spent most of her life thinking that she didn't have a gift. When really the house needed to come down to be rebuilt to see just how big her gift was. So her gift was for the whole, because her gift was meant to bring the family together, her gift encompassed the whole house. And so once she did that, like we said, the magic came back. The house could start communicating again, but it all started with her putting a doorknob in the door and her her magic door coming out being the actual front door of the house. Yeah, and them also not having any expectations for her twisting the doorknob. It was just right. They were happy with her being able to open the door no matter. They didn't think they would have the magic again. They thought right. it was done, but they were happy with her and they loved her and they were going to support her. And without the expectation of anything happening, boom. And she, they asked her, like, when she looks in the doorknob, what does she see? Because, you know, the doorknob's all shiny, so you can see a reflection of yourself. And she said, I see me, all of me. That showed that she also initially was so busy people-pleasing and trying to fit in that she didn't allow her to be her full self. So it was really beautiful. I love that. To me, it takes the your gifts make room for you to a whole new level, right? Because we talked about how big everybody's room was who had a gift, right? And rooms were huge. But she gets the whole house because even those big rooms aren't big enough for her and what she has and what's in her heart. So yeah, a lot of layers, lot, a lot of relationship dynamics. There's a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And that's why this episode is also very long. (laughs) (laughs) These episodes longer than a movie. Right. (laughs) Gosh. Anywho, time to go to our weekly segments. Did you have any closing words on a movie? No, I just think it's a great movie about family and relationships. And I think it's a movie that anybody can see themselves in, you know. Yeah, I think what was so great about this movie and how it portrayed relationships in that people can typically see themselves in it, people were able to take the movie and bring it to a therapist and say, this is how I feel, because they weren't able to put a voice to it before, Mm -hmm. but watching it empowered them to be able to do so. And so this isn't just good for kids. This is helping grown folks, too. And so it really is a good movie. Thanks for doing this with me, babe. All right, so now it's time for our weekly segments. We have our encouragement challenge, our beacon of encouragement, and the encouragement quotes. Encouragement challenge. This week, I want to challenge you to learn yourself 
like really see I'm thinking about the movie and how Mirabelle says she finally sees who she is all of who she is and I think a lot of times we don't give ourselves the time to actually do that and so see who you are past your achievements who are you outside of your title outside of who you are to somebody else a lot of times we start off with I'm a wife I'm a mom or I'm a husband dad I work at such and such who are you outside of that really see all of you all of who you are and then love yourself in that space that's my challenge so this week, speaking of encouragement, I want to give it up to the creators of Encanto. Everybody that went into this movie, all the people that they talked to, all the little details. I mean, really, it was just an amazing movie. So I want to give it up to y'all. Now to the encouragement quote. Nothing can ever be broken that we can't fix together. And that's by Mirabel. And with that, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of season three i am oh so grateful that you're either joining or still rocking with me here as we grow on this journey of living our best lives without the cape as always please know i do not take it for granted if you enjoy spending time with me and luke just chatting it up about encanto part two then join the encouragement fam we're here with open arms like subscribe and follow on any platform where podcasts are found remember to rate five stars and review can't wait to meet you back here next week. You won't want to miss next week's episode. And ASW family, if you have encouragement topics you want me to discuss, a beacon of encouragement you want to nominate, or questions you want answered, feel free to let me know by visiting my website at www.antithesisofsuperwoman.com. If you have Instagram, follow me at antithesis underscore of underscore superwoman. Check me out on my Facebook page, The Antithesis of Superwoman. And join my Facebook group, The Antithesis of Superwoman Encouragement Collective. And you can find Luke on Instagram and Twitter at Lucius Writes, L-U-C-I-O-U-S-W-R-I-T-E-S. Thank you. Make sure you guys follow him and support. Talk to you next week. And remember, no cape, no cap. Bye.